0: You're listening to Coleman Power on the Organic Fitness Podcast. Alright, welcome to the latest episode of the Organic Fitness Podcast. I have my long-term mate right here in front of me in the likes of James Barry. Okay, He's a warfare based man. He's going to tell us all he knows in relation to fish and the most sustainable ones to eat. All right, James, say hello to the listeners. Hi
1: Coleman, thank you very much for having me on.
0: <laughs> Good to have you, man. Um, first thing I want to do, I just want you to let the listeners know a small bit about your background in relation to where you're from and what you're doing currently, and then we'll get into a couple of questions. All right, man? Sure thing. Um, okay, so I am a fish biologist by
1: trade. Uh, so, what does that mean is the common question I get after I tell someone that. Uh, I think everyone seems to have a picture of a, of a marine biologist in their head. It's like that, except I don't get to dive on nice coral reefs in uh, warm water. I work in, uh, in kind of cold rivers, lakes, and estuaries around Ireland, researching fish populations uh, and under- undertaking work to conserve uh, these important resources. Uh, I suppose the interest in fish came from from a young age when I started fishing with, with a rod and line, kind of rivers, lakes, coasts around Waterford. Uh, I loved it, that was the thing I spent most of my time doing when I was growing up. And uh, Obviously you can't really become a professional angler, so to speak, so I made a decision to go down the route of uh, conservation and management of the resource. So that was uh, it's pretty much it, you know, just kind of following, following my interests. And um, I went to UCC I spent four years down there doing environmental science. From that, I went on to do a master's in fisheries management. I was over in Scotland for a few years. Uh, That led to a PhD in uh, kind of fish migration and conservation management of migratory fish, all sorts of interesting things like that. And that led to my current job as a research scientist where I kind of worked to conserve important fish populations like salmon and trout that we have here in Ireland, be it for climate change or habitat protection. And that's pretty much it, Coleman. I'm just a crazy fisherman trying to save the fish, really. Yeah,
0: a solid water for man. And a Kilmedan man at that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Uh, right. I just want to get touching on the likes of the most common fish that we're going to see in the likes of either your store or at your fishmonger. So the likes of shrimp, the likes of tuna, salmon, cod. Okay, these are the ones we typically see. But what are your um, your views on these type of fish and what are you recommending to uh, the listeners of this podcast, man?
1: Yeah, so I suppose before I kind of delve into kind of particular or specific species, I suppose it's fair to say that, um, well, I think it's important to say that the marine ecosystem is under extreme pressure at the moment, you know, from from overfishing, habitat destruction and just the general chaos of too many people trying to fish for, trying to get too few fish. Uh, Humans in general are taking too much out of the seas, Uh, through fishing and also putting too much back into the sea through kind of marine litter and pollution so generally speaking we need to be mindful of you know as consumers of what we're eating especially you know when you see things like uh, I don't know if you've seen the latest David Attenborough documentary on Netflix which is a day in the life and it's kind of it shows just what humans have done to the planet and how we're kind of running out of fish we're running out of habitat and it's kind of you know time to act now and uh, there's a quote I like it's called uh, nature provides us a free lunch if we control our appetite and uh, I suppose as a consumer uh, you have a direct effect on that because you can you can have a knock-on effect if you make the right sustainable choice um, and that, that knocks on to kind of uh, what happens in the fisheries and the oceans so choosing a sustainable way is 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 what it's what it's all about so that's that's kind of a, I a little disclaimer to before we start going into species specifics but um i suppose yeah so we're back to we go to the supermarket and we're going yeah. into we're going into pick our pick our fish for the week or we're a few for this fish you're faced with kind of two options two big options anyway when you when you walk into a supermarket uh, number one is uh, is it a farm fish or is it a wild fish and these are kind of the the two kind of two big things when you're when you're looking at your your fish so things like salmon sea bass and tiger prawns they're the things you'll see on the shelves they're almost entirely farmed in Ireland anyway this is what you're looking at on your shelves there's so much so much I'll, I'll talk about this in a second yeah. and then pretty much everything else is wild so as a general rule I kind of avoid farmed products and um, it's just just the way I kind of uh, see it I don't don't particularly like them um, I tend to always kind of go for wild fish when I can uh, from sustainable practices. So just a, kind of, suppose a quick tip, you always have to kind of keep an eye out for the, the labels on the food. So there's a little blue label, which is uh, it's, it's called the Marine Stewardship, Stewardship Council. And this is a sticker on the, on the bottom right corner. You'll see it's a little uh, blue circle with a fish going through it. And this will show that your your fish have kind of been ethically sourced from a sustainable fishery, and that's something I always kind of aim for. So if you're picking up mackerel um, and things like that, you'll you'll often see the little blue stamp in the bottom corner. And so that MSC label is obviously definitely one I always kind of aim for um,
0: when I'm in the shop to start. Anyway, I like it. Label logo. Right, James, I just want to stop yeah. you there. You're talking about labels and logos and things, but if you're going to the fishmonger, if you're going up to the counter, whether it be in a super value or any other typical store, what about the fish that's in front of you covered in ice? Is that the same? What, how, what way do you indicate or how is it known from the likes of separated? How do you understand what food, or sorry, what fish to choose when you see it up in the counter? And it doesn't have any label. It's literally in there sitting behind the counter and you pick and choose it. It's just sticking to the likes of what
1: type of fish yeah, yeah yeah okay so so I suppose when you, when you get to your 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 fishmongers or fish counter you'll you'll be kind of faced with the usual options of um, kind of white fish or uh, salmon and for me I kind of uh, with white fish always just ask the fishmonger he's usually kind of straight up with you he tells you where it's from uh, if it's farms, if it's not uh, as I said, the, the ones I tend to avoid would be kind of farm salmon. There's a couple of there's a couple of kind of big issues with with farm salmon that uh, you know with regards kind of wild fish uh, welfare and waste. You know, they're, there's there's they're worth kind of avoiding if you can. I know some people are kind of uh, big salmon fans, so there is a uh, there's a couple of things that uh, you know there's there's alternatives. I suppose the number one kind of uh, recommendation would be to eat uh, oily fish kind of further down the food chain but like anchovies and mackerel which are fed to farm salmon so if you would get those yourself it would be it would be a good option but coming back to your question on uh, on white fish and which to choose i think just just talk to your talk to your local fishmonger and um, see what he says They'll say where they're after coming from where they've been caught and usually um, I tend to, uh, tend to go for, for what looks good, you know. And generally, generally, fresh fish don't smell. That's, that's another good point,
0: actually. Right. So uh, when you say what looks good, so are you recommending whitefish cod, which would be a common one seen in the stores, or are you recommending the likes of another whitefish might be mackerel or what are what the types of fish, just to give the people examples so they can go and go to the fishmongers and go to their stores and choose ethical fish.
1: Exactly. OK, so so wild fish that I'm, I'm talking about. Now. So if we go to somewhere like Domoris, which is a, is a port in, in Waterford that, that get a lot of white fish landed every every week. So they, the white fish get landed in there and they get and they get sent out to the, uh, the various fishmongers. Uh, generally speaking, cod populations have been overfished for a long time now. So we kind of try to avoid uh, avoid cod, so to speak, as it's 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 been pretty heavily fished for for a long time. Now. Mm. Uh, I suppose whitefish alternatives to cod would be things like haddock, which are quite quite sustainably fished, which are a really nice, tasty option. hick which is another option. Um, and then pollock as well. So those are kind of three other options of wild fish caught off the cut off the shores of Ireland, which which are alternatives to cod. You also have monkfish, uh, there's there's flatfish like uh, like Megram, plaice, Turbot, Brill. They're all wild fish that that you should probably, you know, I think I'd aim for those instead of maybe going reaching for farm salmon or
0: farm sea bass, you know. Interesting, right, that's great examples, Alternative. that's what it's all about, it's not what saying we can't eat fish, we shouldn't eat the likes of salmon, we shouldn't eat the likes of cod, we're given them the options out there, okay, so just to recap on those, you mentioned the likes of mackerel, and different times of the year, there's different fish in season, just like there is vegetables, and mackerel will be one that's typically found in this in the warmer months, uh, tail end in September, are we right in saying that?
1: That's right, yeah, absolutely. But you'll see that you'll often find mackerel throughout the year, and the likes of Tesco and stuff like that. But you'll find kind of uh, you know those peppered and uh, smoked mackerels, which uh, which are there kind of year round. But fresh fresh mackerel from your local fishmonger will definitely be in the summer months. And uh, I mean, you can't you can't get a better fish than that. It's absolutely gorgeous.
0: Yeah, yeah. right. And to <laughs> towards the likes of just telling people exactly, James. Farmed fish and farmed, maybe are prawns typically farmed, or what's your uh, stance on the likes of tuna, prawns, and those type of uh, sea fish?
1: Yeah, so I suppose I suppose farmed salmon. The big uh, the big no no is uh, is salmon, and you'll probably hear me saying that over and over again. I suppose <laughs> I better clarify why I don't like farmed salmon for your listeners, just in case they they're particularly into salmon. <laughs> So, uh, we used to have abundant stocks of salmon coming to to the rivers in Ireland, Uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago, we had thousands and thousands of, of wild salmon, this rich protein source coming to our rivers. And due to a number of reasons, they declined massively. It was, you know, due to overfishing, habitat destruction, things like that. So someone decided about 30 years ago that it'd be a good idea to to farm some salmon in these net pens off off the coast. And everyone's like, this is great, you know, this will take the pressure off the wild stocks. But in fact, what actually turned off turned to be, it turned out to be a complete negative for our wild populations. And uh, these pens and cages on the, particularly on the west coast of Ireland, and you'll see them on the west coast of Scotland, they cause huge problems for the wild fish as well. Uh, if if any of the wild fish passed close to these kind of high density cages, there'd be huge numbers of parasites. The wild fish would pick them up, and the wild fish would die. So it was uh, it was really devastating for wild stocks. Um, as well as that, there's there's issues with, uh, with fish welfare in these in these farms, and uh, things like 20% of the fish in these farms will never even make it to the table because they'll just die. Uh, basically due to, to uh, poor farming conditions and just overproduction and high densities. So there's, there's all sorts of issues with that um, with the kind of waste as well. I was saying to you earlier that a, a salmon farm will produce the same uh, waste equivalent of a small town of 20,000 people. And this just sits on the seabed. And you know, this is there's, there's a big thing with kind of out of sight, out of mind. And I often say to you, <laughs> you know, imagine you had a chicken farm on this side of the road and every time a bird went over it, it just dropped dead, you know, and they started plodding up. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't last that long before people started ringing the likes of Joe Duffy and saying, here, Joe, there's a massive issue here, you know, but because, because this is happening in the coast, underwater, out of sight, out of mind, we don't see these things. So you'll, you know, you'll hear me kind of ranting about salmon farming and why to avoid it, but these are some of the main issues that people just just don't don't know. So there's all sorts of issues with that. And as well as that, for every one kilogram of farmed salmon that's produced in in these net cages, we need to kill three kilos of wild fish. So these farmers go out to sea, they collect all these anchovy, mackerel, herring, sardines, you know, these fish that are rich in omega-3s, to get the omega threes into the salmon that you're buying in the supermarket, instead of actually just selling the, you know, the herring and the sardines in the supermarket instead. So that's that's a big issue. And um, so the more oily fish we feed salmon, obviously the higher higher the omega threes will be in the salmon. So obviously yes. Yeah, so we bash salmon there. I feel bad for the farm salmon a bit, but not really. So there's all there has to be alternatives for the farm salmon. I can't just say all this and, and say there's there's nothing else out there. So I suppose that. If you're if you're looking for those kind of oily fish um, and omega-3s, you should look at things like anchovies and mackerel. So the stuff that they feed to the farm salmon, you can get wild in the shop yourself, you know. So you're you're cutting out the salmon, but you're getting the, the omega-3s from, and you can get it directly from the fish that they're feeding to the salmon, you know, so <laughs> makes a, a bit makes a bit more sense. Of um, the force, I hear you. It, exactly. Yeah. So, Instead of, instead of eating the, eat the salmon, go and get the anchovies that they're feeding to the salmon and mackerel. And because they're lower down the food chain, they're what we call a pelagic fish, which, which means they're, um, they, they, they're, they produce numbers very, very quickly. They have short life cycles and they, they reproduce much faster than these kind of fish. So they can be fished sustainably when they're, when they're managed correctly. And you'll often see that a lot of these kind of MSC-labeled fisheries Will actually be these lower food chain fisheries like anchovies and mackerel. So, obviously, I know they're quite fishy and they're they're quite strong and they're not everybody's taste. But that's what I generally generally aim to to recommend for people looking for salmon. Now, there is there is another ob- an alternative. What, I, what I think of it here? There's yeah. there's wild salmon available in in the likes of Tesco and Aldi in the freezer section. So you can go to uh, go to the go to the freezer section of any of these big supermarkets, and you'll see wild Alaskan salmon. So what, what happens is there's 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 Pacific salmon, there's Atlantic salmon. We have the Atlantic salmon here in Ireland. But over in the Pacific, um, there is a number of salmon that run from, from these Alaskan rivers. And there's huge numbers, hundreds of millions of salmon run out to the sea there. And they have sustainable fisheries, and they're caught and they're blast frozen and they are then sent to China they go through China and eventually end up in the in the UK market in these you know blast frozen little freezer bags and they don't look great to everybody because you know they're in these little small freezer bags produced in China but I promise you there's you could probably tell me more about the nutritional content of these fish but I think they're you know they're wild fish they've been you know caught sustainably from a fishery they're for me a much better alternative to uh, the farm salmon you can get on the on the counter, so that's kind of I suppose one alternative to your to your normal little so
0: farm salmon, right? And you know when we see uh, yeah. we're talking about these stores, James. We often see we touched on it, the likes of organic salmon. Okay, I have an interest in yeah. things being labelled and logos, and those do have the likes of a registered organic leaf. But what it, still. That's what can you touch on that point and expand further on an organically registered product with salmon as the label or the green leaf? Yeah, yeah. I better not get myself in
1: trouble here. Now. But from from my understanding is right that um, the organic label attached to farm salmon comes with regards to their rearing units, so they'll have less they'll have less numbers of fish in the in the cages and the pens, which would be number one. Um, you know that it's it's. Uh, far better unit for, for the fish to kind of, you know, live and survive. And there's probably not the, the same number of mortalities. Uh, the feed probably still consists of pellets, but this would probably be organic organic pellets made from kind of natural ingredients, whereas a non-organic farm might source their protein. You know, there might be
0: other it could in, be genetically modified grain, such as if you had chickens, you see, that's the difference I know, because I have chickens myself, yeah, and yeah, organically yeah. Registered the likes of the feed is important and the land that are the waters, in this case, that they're typically on is registered as organic, and what the fish is, feed, uh, is fed or what the chickens or the animals are fed must be registered by it must be a non-genetically modified grain, and independent on what feed is fed to the fish, that also must be registered with an a governing body. Exactly.
1: So there, there you go. So your your pellets are probably made from natural ingredients, sustainable sources, and you know, free of all those kind of genetically modified organisms. So that's that's where they're. Uh, organic label is coming from, and you know, Fair Play from they 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 go and do do all this, all this stuff to get their organic label, but it still doesn't get away from the fact, and the three issues that I've kind of raised earlier with you know their effect on wild fish, be organic or not, they're still going to have sea lice issues, they're still going to produce a load of waste. And you know they're still going to going to impact on our on our wild fish when they when they swim past these cages because there will still be a high density of fish and obviously proliferation of any parasites and things like that which wouldn't naturally occur in the in the in the wild. So that's you know there's there is that organic label but it comes with a big big caveat like
0: yeah and that's why i brought you on james for and the topic we're discussing here is sustainable fish okay it's not organic fish or anything along those lines it's sustainable fish and bringing on and bringing your expertise to the farm and another fish mm-hmm. that's commonly out there is tuna and typically it's it's not recommended in high amounts due to mercury could you expand on that point and just give your um few on mercury yeah. in the likes of tuna
1: yeah, definitely. So, uh, tuna is one I love as well. I'd um, I'd, eat it. I'd eat it every day of the week if I could. But like that, I, I always have kind of fears of of mercury, and obviously you also want to kind of control the amount you, you eat of a of, of a fish as well, because these all these stocks are under pressure, especially tuna. So there's there's three different species generally that end up in the tins of tuna that we get, say from John West or, or other places like that. Um. Albacore, yellowfin, and skipjack. These are the smaller kind of tuna species. Um, I try to avoid albacore and yellowfin mainly because they grow slower. So what I mean by when they grow slower is they have more time to kind of, so they could live for maybe five or six years. So they have more time to build up things like mercury uh, in, their, in their muscles. And... Um, so they they'd be kind of ones that I'd stay away from. Skipjack is generally the one I go for. It's a little bit more short-lived than the other two. It's probably the best, best option when it comes to when it comes to tuna. So these are super, super small little tuna and they they reproduce really quickly. And uh, you know, they're they're really they're they're I suppose they're they're close to a sustainable option when it comes to tuna. Again, you'll have the little MSC stamp. On the on the skipjack tuna. When I'm picking up a tin of tuna tuna, I always look for the pole and line cut. So you'll see that um, there's a lot of uh, fisheries which which operate uh, purse seine nets, and uh, you'll see these dolphin friendly logos on all the tuna. So these pole and line fisheries, uh, they just use a little bait on the end of a hook, and they pull the they pull the tuna into the boat um and that's and that's a real kind of sustainable nice uh, low pressure um form of fishing for tuna so that's kind of the one i go for so just to I suppose just to recap a a lot there <laughs> so skip jack you know, pole in a line cot and look for that little msc stamp as well but I, I always get my tuna in i think it's aldi or little they always have the and line and they have the, the msc msc label as well so it's, again, that's that's all from the pair of the consumer because I remember ten years ago that was you know that was not you know not easy to find. But obviously, you know, it's the pressure is coming from, from the consumer again for sustainably sourced fish. So you know that's that's a good thing.
0: And, and, and great, you touched on those words. It's consumer driven. Whether it be the likes of organic produce, the more people buy that produce, the more the shops will demand it, and the more the growers, the people who have the ability to produce this food or get those fish to the market or to the fishmongers or food to the stores they'll get it there because it's consumer demand so the more you see it or sustainable fishing the more you buy it the more likely it is to be in a more of abundance in your local shops in your local stores and that that's important that you recognize yeah exactly it is big time.
1: So then there's suppose well, there's prawns as well, is that what you were hoping you to were hoping? Yeah, to I've touched on prawns,
0: that's a typical typical fish you're going to see in the likes of either your stores or fishmongers or at, at parties or anything along the lines of that. Yeah,
1: way. Yeah. no, exactly, because I, I remember when I was in uh, UCC, I'd always get a request from my parents to bring home prawns from the English market, because it's a great place to get Irish prawns, and Irish prawns, are generally pretty hard to find, they get... They get shipped to uh, the likes of France and Spain almost straight away once once they're caught in our ports. So the you know the famous Dublin Bay prawn is actually quite a difficult uh, difficult thing to get your get your hands on. Um, but yeah, they're they're probably one of my one of my favourite things to ones favourite things to eat. as well, obviously in in uh, moderation. But uh, things like king prawns and tiger prawns, I do tend to avoid these as well. So these are farmed. And uh, I've been told, well, I've been I've heard of some very questionable things with regards to farming of uh, of both those king prawns and tiger prawns. And unless it has a little kind of aquaculture uh, sustainability symbol attached to your king prawns or your tiger prawns that you might see for sale, I tend to avoid them because you just you just can't source or or, or find out exactly where where they've come from. And um, I will look for kind of north northeast Atlantic prawns. Or wild Irish prawns, you're they're also available in Tesco, get them quite regularly in the freezer section. Um, but again, you know, it's it's a tricky one because prawns are linked to some pretty disruptive trawling tactics where they get a lot of bycatch and things like that. So I look for um I always try to look for that MSC label because they take that sort of stuff into account, you know, if if a fishery is is getting a lot of bycatch. It won't get that sustainability stamp. So if you're looking for your for prawns, I generally look for Atlantic prawns over your king prawns and tiger prawns. And again, look for your for your little MSC symbol. But again, your local fishmonger, when the prawns have been you know landed into your local ports, and um, you know you can get you can get some lovely kind of Dublin Bay prawns. Again, English market's a great place for that.
0: Glad I, live in, yeah. glad I live in Cork
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what, I, what I'm going to go on to next James is mussels the likes of shellfish what's your preference and what's your um, knowledge in relation to are they more, more sustainable and just wanted to expand on the likes of those types of shellfish yeah yeah yeah
1: um, so I'm definitely I'm not an expert in shellfish farming or anything like that but in general I know it's kind of a, a low impact method of aquaculture and I know that they need high quality water standards and um, are kind of required for the cultivation of shellfish for human consumption so you know if you're if you're getting the muscle in the supermarket it's generally going to come from a really clean nice place you know so you often see Rope, uh, rope muscles from Scotland and lovely kind of places like that. So, so muscle muscle farming kind of requires uh, no feed inputs. Uh, so the farming of muscles is a is a really cool way of producing seafood. Uh, there's no chemicals, things like that. It's all kind of quite clean and it's it's just natural. Uh, so it occurs uh, these little small spat they're called attached to the ropes and they just feed on the on the environment and around it. them and they grow. Yeah. Exactly. So. They're full of, I mean, trees, I imagine. Uh, so this rope grown are kind of hand gathered mussels. That's that's probably one thing I would aim for if, if I was buying mussels. And again, they'll have their little MSC logo. Uh, and also, the, the rope grown ones are great because there's super low environmental impact. You know, it's just a rope hanging down off a buoy in in the middle of a sheltered bay. And uh, you know, if it's rope grown and MSC mussels all the way and Who doesn't like a big bowl of mussels? (sighs) Mouth
0: is water now at (laughs) the (laughs) minute. And one of the last things I just want to touch on, James, is the likes of seaweed, okay? It's another kind of superfood. It's used in the likes of growing vegetables for for hundreds of years before synthetic fertilizers were used as like 60 different trace elements in the likes of that. So it's like a multivitamin in itself, where it has massively high in iodine. It's good for your thyroid function. But... What do you know about seaweed, or what can you tell the listeners?
1: Again, it's it's one of these uh, areas of um, the industry I'm not too familiar with, but I'm very interested in. It's uh, I believe there is kind of uh, all those things you've said there. It's you know so so healthy. It's a superfood, and I believe it enjoys a high level kind of sustainability. Uh, I know there are some issues with kind of the mechanical removal of, of large kelp and, and you might come across things on Facebook like Bantry Bay against kelp farming and things like that. I think that that's that's probably a big issue. But what I've seen, uh, there's there's great company, I think, Wild Irish Seeds, and they, they produce little, small packets of dillisk and things like that. And this is all hand harvested, so it's super sustainable. And... Uh, I think it's. I think they're from Claire. and I suppose you know once they're kind of hand harvested, I would say go ahead, seaweed all the way. It's something that I have to try to eat a bit more. I think.
0: Yeah, and, and not only yourself but my myself included as well as I'm sure a lot of the listeners. But just before we re- we finish up, I want to recap on the things that we touched on in this uh, episode, James. Right. So the fish yes. that we're recommending that are more sustainable are the likes of fish if bought in a packet, haven't an, and can having the label the MSC label okay if you're choosing tuna have it with that label and inclusive pole fish and the white fish so typically you've mentioned in this podcast tell me if i'm wrong here hake mackerel monkfish and pollock was that another one of the white fishes you recommended over the yes, typical yes. salmon or cod Thank you. It's
1: exactly, exactly. Yeah. It. So it's pretty simple really. As long as kind of consumers consume unsustainably, producers will continue to produce unsustainably. So if we, you know, make an effort to make those sustainable choices, it'll have a knock-on effect to you know supermarkets and, and everywhere else. You know, you see you see these movements happening all the time. And as they said, it happened, it happened already with your dolphin friendly tuna. You know, 10 years ago, there was there wasn't a tin in a in, in supermarket that had that logo, but they all do. So, um, you know, things like the MSE label, absolutely keep an eye out for that. Little blue label in the bottom right corner. Um, mackerel, anchovies, mussels, they're all great, great kind of options. If you're going with tuna, definitely the, the skipjack, pole and line caught, again, with that little blue label. Um, and then I suppose whitefish, I would always kind of look for haddock and hake. They're kind of my two. If, if I go into the fishmonger, they're the two I'm looking for and um, Halleck and Hake are, are probably good good options yeah. um, avoid avoid farm salmon if you can um, and if you really want salmon have a look at the at the wild salmon options that are in the freezer and um, they're, they're really nice and you'll, you'll see straight away you'll notice the difference between a between a farm salmon and wild salmon once you eat some of this stuff and uh, another good tip, actually, when I when I think about it, is yeah. you can get an app on the app store, and it's or, or on iTunes or any of those, and it's called the Good Fish Guide. And what it does is you just click it open, and you if you're in a supermarket and you're looking at the, some weird Latin names, prawn, you don't know where it's from or something like that, you just put in the name into the app, and it will tell you exactly whether you know it's sustainably sourced or if it's a it's a fish under pressure or what techniques are used to capture these fish. are they you know dolphin friendly for example, for example and stuff like that so that's that's a really cool uh, little app to pick up
0: oh, that is an absolute brilliant way to finish it off with a classic it uh, app that you can get on your phones that everyone has and people are listening to these podcasts on the likes of their phones as well here james just want to finish up by saying thanks very much man for coming on and sharing your expertise here on the organic fitness podcast and i hope to see you soon when all this crazy um Uh, whatever one want want to call it uh, finishes up but uh, thanks very much and I really appreciate your time
1: no worries Coleman. thanks very much for having me
0: and the last thing I always finish off these podcasts with saying stay tuned stay classy and keep it organic you're listening to Coleman Power on the Organic Fitness Podcast